Um, I want to begin with a story by T.D. Uh, T. Jakes entitled, Waiting on Man to Get into Position. And he begins by quoting a scripture in Genesis 2 and verse 4 and 5. It says, These are the generations of the heavens of the earth when they were created. In the day that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens and every plant of the field before it was in the earth and every herb of the field before it grew. For the Lord God had not caused it to rain upon the earth and there was no man to till the ground or for there was no man to till the ground. In other words, no need to send the rain. There was a mist back then, but no need to send the rain because there's no man to till the ground. You know, you got to do something about the, the weeds or whatever. But he says this. Things must be in place before God will act. The Bible tells us that at the beginning of creation, God had not caused it to rain upon the earth. This does not mean that their earth was without water. Up until this time, God had caused a mist to come up from the earth to give moisture to the earth. There had been no downpour, however, from the heavenlies. Why? Because there was not a man to till the ground. There are some things that God has planned to do has made provision for doing and desires to do that he will not do until man is in place to receive what God intends to give. This is a powerful concept. There are some things that God has in the heavenlies that will not be released to you until you are in the proper position spiritually, relationally, emotionally. Oh, you may experience a mist, but in your spirit you have a restlessness, that there must be something more. You have an inner knowing that you aren't fully where you ought to be. You have an uneasiness, a frustration that causes you to say, why am I no further than this in my life? Rather than blaming your wife, your parents, your boss, or your race, you are wise to ask yourself, is God waiting on me to be in a different spiritual position before he pours out a blessing in my life. When you are in alignment with God and his purpose, he will open up the heavens and cause it to rain on you. You'll experience such an outpouring of God's blessing that you won't know how to contain them. Waiting on man to get into the right position. Now, so I wanna talk about, I guess the title of this sermon is What If? What if we did this? Did what? Well, Romans 12 and verse 1 and 2. Now, don't get upset if I'm implying you're not doing this, but just looking at the man in the mirror, something I've struggled with. Romans 12 and verse 1 and 2, one of my favorite passages in the Bible. Romans 12, 1 and 2, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be you transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Now, I think for me, and I'll just let this fall on you also, <laughs> but for me, there's, there's like a deception there that, you know, you read that verse and you think, oh yeah, I, I'm doing that. I, I've, I've offered my body as a living sacrifice. I've, I'm being transformed. And, and we think about it and we say, and we don't think about it anymore. We say, oh yeah, I'm doing that. And we don't think about it for a year. In fact, this being my favorite scripture, 
it was funny how that I haven't really come back to this in a long time and thought, wait a minute, am I really doing this? Does this describe my life on a personal level? So I think there is a deception there where we say, oh yeah, I've got that covered. I'm doing that. Now the problem, someone said that the problem is with uh, a living sacrifice, being a living sacrifice is this. Living sacrifices are always crawling off the altar. <laughs> now just think about it, you know, you're trying to bring this lamb or whatever it is and it's alive and it's, it doesn't like being up there and it, it's running off somewhere. Living sacrifices are always crawling off the altar. You know, it's like, Adam, where are you? Where is my living sacrifice? Oh, there you are. Wait, what are you doing? And what are you doing? Way over there, get back, the altar's up here. Why are you out there pursuing this, that, and the other thing? Well, you know, whatever you may be doing. But we, we, we crawl off the altar. Now I wanna tell you, this verse, I beseech you, brethren, that you, you offer your body a, a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service, and be not conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. I'm not, I'm not there yet. I, I'll just confess to you, I'm not, I'm not there yet. Okay, I want to be, but I'm not there. But what if we were there? What kind of blessings? What kind of satisfaction? What kind of joy? What kind of love? What kind of fulfillment? What kind of passion? What kind of meaningful life may we be missing? May we be missing? Now, I think you know that God does not force his will upon us. He doesn't twist our arm and make us, you know, it's like Greg talked about, there's decisions that we have to make. And so he does not force his will upon us. And I think sometimes God is sort of watching this, what I would call a wild ass living sacrifice, kicking its heels up, doing all kinds of things, you know. And uh, he may be waiting for man to get into position. <clears throat> so let's break this down. Let's take a look at this. That, that first scripture that you present your body, Romans 12, one, and verse 1, a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. What does that mean? What does it mean? Well, let's take a look at, and keep your place there. We'll come back to Romans 12, 1 and 2. But Romans 6 and verse 13. A living sacrifice. What, what does, it, does that look like? Let's say. Romans 6 and verse 13. It says, Neither yield your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourself unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. You know, when we were baptized, we were given a new lease on life. How are we living that, that new life? Is the question. How are we living that new life? You know, it's like if you went to the doctors and the doctor said, you're going to die. Oh, that's terrible news. You're, go you're, you're going to die within a month. And all of a sudden, they come back and say, wait a minute, we've got a cure. We can completely cure you. And so, sometimes we start making promises. Oh, God, you know, if you let me live, I'll do this, 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 and that. But in a way, you know, I think about this. You know, what this scripture says in Romans 12 and verse 1, that I, David Freeman, will present my bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable in God, to God which is my reasonable service. And you can take your name and fill it in that blank, that I will present my body 
a living sacrifice. It talks about instrument, you know, you can have a choice. Instruments of righteousness, instruments of, of, of unrighteousness. And the word instrument means, you know, to be busy about, implies to be busy. Okay, what are you busy about? What are we busy about? Okay, if it's, if it's, is it an instrument of righteousness? Or do we busy ourselves in other areas? A living sacrifice. What does it mean? Psalms 50 and verse... 14, Psalms 50 and verse 14, a living sacrifice. Psalms 50 and verse 14 says, Offer unto God thanksgiving and pay your vows unto the Most High. And that word, you know, pay your vows, it's, it's really not talking about money there. It's talking about keeping your promise. Whatever you promise to God, you had better keep it. Well, think about what we have promised. You know, I promise that I would present my body a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is my reasonable service. That's what we promised at baptism. A living sacrifice, what does it look like? 1 Corinthians 5 and verse 7. 1 Corinthians 5 and verse 7. If you would turn there. 1 Corinthians 5 and verse 7. <coughs> it says, purge out, therefore, the old leaven, that you may be a new lump, as you are unleavened, for even Christ our Passover is sacrificed for us. Therefore, let us keep the feast, not with old leaven, neither with the leaven of malice or wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. So we know that God has made this way possible. We have the, the Passover, which is forgiveness of sins. And then we have unleavened bread, where we put Christ in and put sin out. You know, I think about, okay, this is what I promise. I promise to get rid of the old, didn't I? Yeah, we did. Put the new in, get rid of the old. This is what I promise. A living sacrifice. You don't have to turn there, but there's a verse in Ephesians 5 and verse 10. It says, proving what is acceptable unto the Lord. Do we do that? Do, you know, in our day-to-day -day lives, do we say, okay, God, is this acceptable, what I'm about to do? Now, I don't mean the, is this acceptable? I don't mean the quality of what you're doing. I mean what you are doing, what you've made the decision to do. In other words, the thing that I am about to do, Lord, is this acceptable in your eyes? Should I do it, for one? Should I even do it? You know, I struggle with this. You know, it's like I'm polishing the wheels on my car. Uh, is the quality acceptable? <laughs> Lord, oh, I got 101 things I'm doing. Is the quality of what I'm doing acceptable? That's, you know, that's not what I'm talking about. I think God would probably say, I could care less about the quality of your wheels. Why are you wasting your time polishing them? <laughs> I, uh, there was a song by Don Henley, Garden of Allah. It's a very spiritual, deep song. It really, you ought to listen, you ought to, oh, I have the cover with the words on it, but in the part he switches to where he's playing like, he's quoting the devil. And Satan says, you know, he's looking at all, the, everything people do, and he says, you know, the devil says, nice car. I love those barbarians, so meticulous. <laughs> and I, I, I thought, boy, that describes me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but and I, am I saying you should keep everything a mess? No, no, I'm not saying that. But proving what is acceptable unto the Lord. Do we ask God before we do something? 
Lord, you know, how important is this? And is this acceptable? Is this what I should be doing in the first place? It's just to ask. And, and you know, it's very simple. I think a lot of times we say, look, I've worked 12 hours and the rest of my time, I've worked, you know, 12 hours a day and the rest of the time is mine to do whatever I want to do. And I know there, there is. Sometimes we need to do what I call meaningless things. It can be an outlet. You know, I, I, I painted a Stargate on the inside of my garage. It was totally meaning, meaningless. I mean, it was, but I loved it. And uh, it, it, it gave me, sometimes you need a creative outlet a break, you know, from the things that you do. So not everything that is meaningless is wrong. But do we consult God before we do these things? Providing what is acceptable unto God, unto the Lord. And the way you do that is you ask, Lord, how important is this and should I be doing it? Okay, Romans 12 and verse 2. And be not conformed unto this world, but be you transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God? I think a lot of times what keeps us from being a living sacrifice is we are governed by this world and conforming to the ways of the world and often don't even realize it. You know, I think of myself, look, I, got, I think, okay, priorities. I got to take care of all my, everything I got. That's a, that, that's a big priority for me. I got to take care of it, you know. I've got to, what? We could go through a list right now of things that I got to entertain myself. <laughs> I have a big, a 70 inch big screen TV. Uh, we never watch it. And I, I, I said, Teresa, why, why did we get that? Why did you get that, Teresa? Uh, you know, yeah. And I said, we ought to at least watch something. So we've, we've been sitting down in the evening and watching, uh, I bought a uh, DVD of all the MacGyvers. Yeah, and yeah, and fascinated by the things he can do. But, you know, it's okay. Yeah, I'm not saying, okay, you can't take care of your stuff. You can't entertain yourself, or I deserve a break. And we, okay, I understand, or I deserve a vacation. I understand that. There's nothing wrong with that. But I guess there's a couple questions that I want you to consider. Number one, is God waiting on you to get into position? Question number one. So that he can experience, so that you can experience such an outpouring of God's blessing that you won't know how to contain them. And two, have you proved, proven what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God for your life? Two questions there. And, and sometimes the, the, the answer may be, well, no, I haven't because I haven't surrendered yet in, in certain areas. All right, Romans 12 and verse 2, and be not conformed to this world. I think what has helped me a lot in this area, because that's, that's, okay, don't be conformed to this world. I used to internalize other people's problems in, in, in my life, and, and that it sort of made me very unhappy. I almost felt like if a person was doing something, I almost could feel their, what, I sh what they should be feeling, you know, if they were doing something silly or crazy, I, could, I, could, I felt embarrassed for them, embarrassment, so I, I don't, but I used to internalize the world's problems. Everything that's going on, you know, it ate away at me. And uh, I was, someone told me about a, uh, I thought it was interesting, this has helped me a lot. It was a Phil Robertson Duck Dynasty show where uh, 
he had this on the show, he had this guy, it was obviously uh, taking pictures of, of them. You know, Phil and his wife and his dog. And, uh, it was, but it was, it was obviously a gay guy doing it on, on the program. You could tell by the mannerisms and all that. And uh, Phil made this comment. Uh, well, the gay guy said, you know, is this right? You know, you sit here and sit there. Okay, is this okay, Mr. Robertson? And, and Phil made the comment, you know, something like, well, it's your world. I'm just trying to live in it. Uh, <laughs> I love that. <laughs> it, it's, in other words, we are to pray as Christians, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is up in heaven. That prayer is an acknowledgement that this is not God's world and God's will is not being done. That is an acknowledgement. Because we're praying, okay, your kingdom come and your will be done right here on earth. It is, so, like I said, instead of internalizing the world's problems, it's helped me to, this little thing that Phil said has helped me. The world of gay marriage, the world of gender confusion, I don't know if I'm a man or a woman. The world of aborted potential children. Hey, it's, it's your world. I'm just trying to live in it. The world of, and I feel sorry for them, single moms, single dads trying to rear children. You know, children need to, to they need that nucleus family. They need the, the father and the mother. But that's a world. The world of incest and child abuse, abuse, the world of injustice, the world of racism, the world of terror, terrorism. Hey, it's your world. I'm just trying to live in it. It's, it's what I call the Christian dilemma. In other words, you can't make it right. I'm a fix-it man, and that's, that's one problem I cannot fix. I don't even try to fix the world because I know that you know, I can barely fix the stuff <laughs> that happens around my house, but I can't fix the world. I can't solve the problems. Uh, I remember my mother told me a story one time. She said her biggest letdown in life was that she thought if, if you just you, you tried to help a person, you showed them a better way, if, if you just said, look, this will work. I've been there, done that. That instead of being grateful, they would turn around and spit in your face and say, I, I don't want that. And she was so let down by that, that reality. Because she thought, I could, ha I could help. Now, I'm not saying there's not people you can help, but often you will find that. The Bible says that which is crooked cannot be made straight. As Christians, we know there is a better way. The Christian knows the sinner's way will never work. The Christian knows it's not a Christian world. He's just trying to live in it. Be not conformed into this world. In the real Lord's Prayer, in John 17, it's the personal prayer that Jesus said before his death. John 17 and verse 14. This is some powerful statements here. I just want to read this to you. Jesus is praying to his, for his disciples, but he's also praying for all those that would come after. All the, the, the calling, the elect, all the disciples that would come after. He says, uh, John 17 and verse 14, I have given them your word. And the world has hated them, because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. I mean, that's, that's okay, the world hates you, and, and the reason the world hates you is because you're not a part of it. John 17 and verse 15, I pray that you should not take them out of the world, 
but that you should keep them from the evil. And what a blessing that can be. You know, you're not going to escape. You're not going to take you out of the world, but I do pray that that the shield of God's protection would keep, keep you from evil or the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. John 15, verse 18. The world, if the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you are of the world, the world would love its own. But because you are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Did you know the world loves its own? It really does. <laughs> I mean, just not that I'm recommending this, but, but you know, just, just, okay, just go to a party. I don't go to parties, but I'm just, I'm just throwing this, you know, you know. This is not a recommendation, but or go to a party, go to a concert, go to a bar. Uh, li listen, sometimes listen to the meaningless conversation, the prurient interests, the decadence of, you know, sometimes people in general. You know, I sometimes question, where, where would you go to find good godly characteristics, you know, from people, you know, maybe an old folks' home. You know, <laughs> we used to visit. You know, my mother, and, and there was some, some. You, know, you expect something good out of getting old, don't you? I mean, you know, But I think, I think, you know, you, you might find some good characteristics there. But the world loves its own, and if you're not a part of the decadence, if you're not a part of endless conversation, if you're not a part of the prurient interest, the world will disown you, often. You ever heard the expression, misery loves company? <laughs> I found the world can disown you if you're not a misery lover. Um, I've always been amazed at people that love, I had this, well, a family that I used to talk to and they liked their misery. They, they really did. They, they, they loved their misery. It gave them purpose and meaning in life. And uh, it, it, was, it, was, it was almost funny as you tried to evaluate, you know, it's like, okay, my dog got ran over. Ricky got another DUI. Peter got a girl pregnant and refuses to pay child support. And that's the reason the police are always after him and giving him a hard time. My poor dear son, he just a piece of, they're just always after him. But it's because, you know, yeah. Uh, Roxy swallowed gasoline and died. I'm going back to jail, but, you know, they give you three hots in a cot. <laughs> My girlfriend has herpes and so do I. Uh, my father-in-law kicked me out of the house and, and we got into a fight and broke my nose. And Sometimes you've, you've got to tell people, look, misery lovers, you've got to say, look, that's your world. And it's not my world, but it's your world. And you obviously love it and, because you're always talking about it. You, you, you can't cease to talk about it. Anything you talk about a lot, you love. Did you know that? <laughs> you absolutely love it. But sometimes you just got to say, look, that's your world. And reluctantly, you have befriended me. Uh, <laughs> reluctantly, I had to live beside you, whatever, you know. Uh, Hebrews 11 and verse 13 says, These all died in faith, not having received the promise, promises, but having seen them afar off, were persuaded of them and embraced them and confessed. Now, what did they confess? They confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. You know, it's, 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 it's what we have to admit. To. For the true Christian, this world is like an alien nation, one where you do not belong. 
It really is. And be not conformed to this world, but be you transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable, perfect will of God. I used to have a plaque in my garage that said, don't ask yourself what the world needs. Ask yourself what makes you come alive. Because what the world needs are people who have come alive. And I think it's a lot of truth to that. Uh, people in the world are dying. Now, physically, we know they're dying. But, but spiritually is what I'm talking about. They are dying. And if, if we find that good and acceptable, perfect will of God, alive is what you will be. In contrast to a world that's dying. So what if we would live out Romans 12 and verse 1 through 2? And again, I'm not saying that you're not doing this. I'm just saying to evaluate yourself. I'm going to leave you with two questions. Two questions. <clears throat> Is God waiting on you to get into position so that you can experience such an outpouring of God's blessing that you won't know how to contain them? And two, second question, have you proven what is that good and acceptable? and perfect will of God for your life. And, you know, if you're questioning it, if, you're, if you have any question whatsoever, the key word may be surrender. Surrender.